But I'm, I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, we've been exploring the practices of the church and specifically the practices that we practice as a community of faith. There are two sacraments that are central uh, to the Christian church, since, that have been central to the Christian church since its birth. And those are the practices of communion and baptism. Now, denominations, different groups uh, disagree and argue about some of the nuances of what these two practices uh, mean and what their purpose are. They, there are differences in how they are actually practiced. But the Christian church holds these two sacraments in common. And tonight, we will explore our, our practice of baptism. So uh, if you would, I have a couple of slides that I want to show um, to begin that, that just reminded me of Jesus' baptism and our practice of it. So this is uh, called subtractive street art, which is really cool to me. Um, but I am amazed at, uh, there's a, these are specifically uh, from an artist who goes by Bill, but I'm amazed at how um, an artist can look at a crumbling wall, which I don't, I couldn't find any before pictures. You can, you can flip through and show a few of these. Um, I couldn't find any before pictures of these walls, but he can look at this crumbling, insignificant, forgotten wall that others often pass by and sometimes don't even notice, or if they do notice it, they feel a little disgust or disdain um, by the wall. And this artist sees it and can reveal something that was, in a way, already there. Because they don't paint over it. They chip away and take pieces away. And they take the parts away that are hiding something that is there. Something beautiful. Something to be seen. Something to be valued. And that's part of what I believe our baptism demonstrates. In Matthew, you heard earlier, Matthew 3, I want to read that, Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 17, and uh, 4 through 1, uh, 4, 1 through 3. It says that then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John deterred him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus led the spirit, led by the spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Let's start with looking at John. John the Baptist. So Jesus um, comes from Galilee, and John is out in the Jordan baptizing people. And Jesus says, Jesus walks up to John and says, you know, I want to be baptized. And John says, no, no, I need to be baptizing you. So John, he is a troublemaker. He is a big problem for the religious leaders of that day. 
he comes along and starts messing with their system, with their ways of doing things, with their ways of thinking. And, and a lot of trouble happens when people start actually listening to this guy. You've got this completely unorthodox guy. He has not followed any of the rules. He's not gone through any of the right paths. He's got wild hair and wearing camel skin clothing, and he's on the edge of the wilderness preaching this radical message, and people are showing up for it. That's a big problem for the religious leaders. If so many people are showing up, the other Gospels tell us that the religious leaders need to go check it out. So they show up to see what's happening here, to see how bad this guy is unraveling their tightly woven tapestry of religion and practice. Now, a lot of times people think, oh, John the Baptist, you know, baptism must have started with John. But it really didn't start with John. There were plenty of other religions that practice some sort of ceremonial bath, um, ceremonial cleansing. Even in Judaism, when a Gentile converted to Judaism, there was a, an immersion, a ceremonial bath. There are um, you know, historical places of, of temples that have these baths where people would do baptisms, uh, what we call baptisms. Uh, but the, the person, most of the time, that they, were, they did that individually. They cleansed, they did the bath themselves. Um, but John's baptism was dif- different. The Gospels indicate that his baptism was for repentance. And the people showing up weren't all Gentiles. Like, they were mostly Jewish people who were getting baptized uh, by John, by another person, uh, this random guy, this ordinary guy, not a priest, and so it was a real problem. So he's out there baptizing Jewish people, people who aren't, who aren't converting to Jewish Judaism. He's baptizing these people out there at the, on the edge of the wilderness, and then Jesus shows up and asks John to baptize him. So, of course, John has been saying that he's not unworthy to untie his sandals, this, this Messiah that's coming, and, uh, and he says, no, I, I can't baptize you. Um, because really central to the concept of the Messiah and for Christianity is the idea of the pure and blameless one, the one who is without sin. So why would John even think to baptize Jesus? Because his baptism is a, is a baptism of repentance. But Jesus replied to him and said, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. So Jesus gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness. What image comes to your mind when I say the word righteousness? Think about it for a minute. What's the first image that pops in your mind? The image that comes to my mind is like this person dressed in this flowy white gown, probably with like a spear or a sword in their hand. And uh, I did what all um, very well-trained seminarians do um, to look at this word, and I Googled it. Um, I did um, a Google image search to see what do, what do people think of whenever the word righteousness is, men- is mentioned. And, uh, and the first few images were actually a judge's gavel. 
Uh, there were several that looked somewhat like my vision, but I think they probably were more of a reference to the breastplate of righteousness that is mentioned in the armor of God in Ephesians 6. But, but whatever image came to your mind, and maybe it's just me, but whatever, and Google, <laughs> but whatever images that came to your mind about righteousness, for me, it conjures up the idea of power over, whether it is a judge who is seated higher than everyone else, casting the judgment upon the people below, or a figure standing with weapons in hand against something else. So the righteousness in my mind often conjures up that feeling of power over, power against. But Jesus flips the script. Jesus is here to establish the kingdom of God, the upside-down kingdom. And he says that this baptism demonstrates the fulfillment of right behavior. If this is righteousness fulfilled, this baptism demonstrates a humility, an acceptance, and love. Because you think about baptism, it's a very human experience. We all exist uh, within all the possibilities and limitations of these bodies, the flesh that we have. And we live in these bodies not just as individuals, but we are interdependent on one another. And so Christ needed John to be baptized. Christ humbled himself to another to be baptized. It's not an act. Baptism isn't an act we do ourselves. We are baptized by someone else, by others. And in Christ's act of baptism, he gives us a visual of God with us in all of our humanity, in our bodies, in who we are. In Matthew uh, 3.16, it says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, who I am well pleased. To be baptized is to be identified. The voice from heaven said, This is my Son. Now, in the ancient world... You were no one except someone's son. Now, if you were a female, I'm sorry, you really weren't anyone. <laughs> but in the ancient world, family was everything. Your identity was who you were the son of. And we look through the Old Testament. It's son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so. It was, uh, so your whole identity is based on who you were the son of. But today, it's different for us. You know, oftentimes our children are expected to go to college and maybe move away and establish themselves apart from our family identity. That's not who all of who we are is wrapped up in. But for them, in this ancient world, if you did that, if you left, then we saw that demonstrated in the, prodigal, the story of the prodigal son. You really became no one. You don't exist anymore. You're no longer the son of, so you're no one. You belong nowhere. And here you have Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth, who left Nazareth. He's not a carpenter. He left his identity. He belongs to no one. He belongs nowhere. 
But in his baptism, he comes up out of the water, and we see that not only is God with us in our humanity, but we see that we are with God. He says that this is my son. We are children of God, and we belong. We all desire to belong. I mean, I, I love, I belong to the city of Hattiesburg, and I love that this is the city where I belong. I belong to this community of faith. We, as in the deepest part of our humanity, we want to belong. And what our baptism establishes and identifies is that you belong. And not only you belong, But he says, this is my son whom I love. In other translations, it says, this is my son, the beloved. Beloved, be loved. Now, I'm fortunate that I I did grow up in a family uh, that I always knew that I was loved. Now, my family's got plenty of dysfunction <laughs> that I'm sure my children could tell you that I've shared with them. But I, I, one thing about my family is that every day of my life, I was told that I was loved. And my family demonstrated that. In all their imperfection, I knew I was loved. But I know for some people, maybe some people in this room, and some people we know, that family... And belonging to family does not equate love. And so in Jesus' baptism, not only does God say you belong, but you are loved. To belong and to be loved. The voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'm the kind of person who has a lot of high expectations of myself. Um, I don't necessarily consider myself an overachiever because if I am, I'm pretty bad at that because I don't think I've overachieved at a whole lot of things. But, um, but I really want to do well. I want to do my best, and I want to be pleasing. And for God to say this in our baptism, to say, Not only do you belong, not only are you loved, but I am well pleased with you. We can look at this and say, yeah, but that was Jesus. I mean, of course he's well pleased with Jesus. But at this point, Jesus really hadn't done anything. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And he hadn't done anything really significant. Our baptism is God identifying us as belonging, beloved, and saying to us and everyone else that we are enough. There's no holy ladder of, ladder of holiness that, that we have to climb. There are no achievements that I have to set and I have to make to be successful, to be pleasing to God. God says, you're enough. One with whom I am well pleased. You know, when we have significant events like a a big birthday or a wedding or a baptism or whatever it is, a graduation, 
Oftentimes, we kind of feel like, uh, uh, you know, I ask my kids when they turn, you know, on their birthday, well, how's it feel to be 16? And they say, well, kind of feels like it did yesterday, <laughs> you know? A lot of times, when we have these big significant events there, we don't feel any different because we're the same person we were before the graduation or before the wedding or before. And, you know, the same Jesus who went into the water is the same Jesus who came out. Jesus was the Son of God before he went into the water. Jesus was loved before he went into the water. Jesus was well-pleasing before he went into the water. Now, there was something pretty big that happened while, when he came out of the water. The heavens opened and there was a voice from God. But he was, he was already loved. He already belonged. He was already well-pleasing. In Matthew, Jesus in his, hum, his humanity humbles himself and is baptized. And when he comes up from heaven and de- identifies himself, it identifies him as the Son of God, beloved and well-pleasing. And then immediately after his baptism, after all this big thing, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And then the devil tempted him again, and he started with, If you are the Son of God. The first thing the tempter says to Jesus is, Are you really? If you're the Son of God. He starts by tempting Jesus with questioning his identity with questioning who God has already named him to be. Martin Luther was a German theologian and probably one of the most influential figures of Western Western history, particularly of the church. Um, His writings and beliefs gave rise to the Protestant Reformation. We we probably would not be in this building today to get gathered if it weren't for him. Um, He was definitely a force to be reckoned with, but particularly at home. He was not a difficult. He was not an easy person to live with. Um, he and his wife lived in some German castle with um, with more children than I have. I, I couldn't quite put my hand on how many kids there were. But he um, he wasn't easy to stay, to live with because by today's standards, he probably would have been diagnosed with some some kind of mental health condition of bipolar or deep or deep depression because he would lock himself. Uh, up alone in a room in this castle for long periods of time. And he would struggle with, with darkness and discouragement and doubt. And it seemed to overtake him. They say that you could hear him, he would throw things and break things. But one thing that they said that you could hear him, and they said you could hear it all over the grounds, he would scream to the top of his lungs, I am baptized. And he wasn't saying I was baptized. He would scream, I am baptized. For Luther, his baptism defied those voices, those temptations that said, if, if you belong, if you are loved, if you are well-pleasing. Those voices that called into question his identity. 
Rachel Held Evans in her book, Searching for Sunday, says this about the voices that we face. She says, there's an ongoing battle with God to lay claim over our identity, to convince us we belong to them, that they have the right to name us. Where God calls the baptized beloved, demons call her addict, slut, sinner, failure, fat, worthless, faker, screw-up. Where God calls her a child, the demons beckon with rich, powerful, pretty, important, religious, esteemed, accomplished, right. We all long for someone to tell us who we are. The great struggle of the Christian life is to take God's name for us, to believe we are beloved, and to believe that is enough. For the subtractive street, subtractive street artists, where another person sees a crumbling, worthless eyesore of a wall, the artist sees and reveals something that is beautiful, something to be seen, and to be valued. When the forces of this world seek to defy God's love and purpose for us and battle to claim our identity, God in baptism reveals one who belongs, one who is beloved, and one with whom he is well pleased. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have established our identity, that you have called us to your, your child, you have called us love, and you have called us enough. We thank you for the reminder that we have in that when we see someone else practice baptism. We pray that as we are reminded of these things, we will believe. We will know that we belong and we are loved and we are enough. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.